This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 349. Welcome to Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I am your host, Riley Bowman, joined today by Master Chief CEO, dude of all things Concealed Carry, Jacob Paulson. Yeah, that's yes, me in here. <laughs> We've had some uh, technical uh, issues that we've been working through today to get this uh, show on the road, but uh, here we are, and we're, we're doing the best we can to roll with it. Um, Today is our news and gear review show. So we're going to share with you some news from the industry that we found interesting this week. Actually, really this last month, but since we're really doing the segment once a month now. And we also have a couple of products we're going to share with you and give our thoughts and our reviews on them. So we'll, we'll, we'll look forward to that for sure. Today's episode is made possible and brought to you by first Ammo Supply Warehouse. AmmoSupplyWarehouse.com is where you can find these fine folks, purveyors of fine freedom seeds. Ammo Supply Warehouse. Freedom seeds. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I hadn't heard that one yet. <laughs> well, actually, I think that's something that, that they say themselves. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I missed that. I've got a sticker somewhere, I think, that says it on there. It's great. Uh, so <laughs> it makes me want to plant one in the ground. <laughs> Will it grow more freedom seeds? That would be lovely, wouldn't it? Man, Man that, that would be awesome. You know, that's kind of how this class I took this last weekend went for me. That's kind of how it fe- felt because I took this, this class with Jeff Gonzalez, a concealed carry instructor development course. And I, I had to go with 1500 rounds and I ordered some ammo from ammosupplywarehouse.com in advance of that class. It showed up as usual, super speedy, excellent price. And I go and I shoot all my ammo, right? And so you kind of, you get done with the weekend. You're like, man, I just blew through 1500 rounds of ammo. And then because there was a couple of uh, uh, law enforcement officers in that course as well, that their agencies had sent them to, to take this course and paid for it and paid for their ammo and sent that ammo. And these guys are, you know, they're here in Colorado and some of them are from California, some are from Maryland, some are from Connecticut. They're like, we don't want to fly back with this ammo. Like that's not going to work. So Riley, you want this ammo? I'm like, yes, please. So I went with 1500 rounds. I shot 1500 rounds and I came home with 1500 rounds. <laughs> not a bad deal, man. That's our, that's our tax dollars hard at work right there. <laughs> I know, right? So, uh, so there you go. I planted some freedom seeds in the back berm of Great Guns Sporting Shooting Center, whatever. I can't remember what their official name is. Great Guns is a great place. Great Guns Sporting. Yeah. And, uh, and I grew more freedom seeds. There you go. Anyway, if you're looking for some high quality, excellent, well-priced ammunition that ships super fast and is packaged nondescript, like, so when it shows up on your doorstep, Half the time, you won't know what it is. They wrap it in black plastic. You can't tell what it is. It's protected from the weather. And they plaster all kinds of like hearts and dinosaur stickers all over it because it disguises the federally mandated hazardous material sticker that also has to go on the box. Yeah, you see? So these guys are smart. They know what they're doing and they ship super fast. So check out ammosupplywarehouse.com for your next order of ammunition. And Guardian Nation members save an additional 5%, which is not insignificant. Next up, we got a sponsor here that went blank on my screen. There it is. <laughs> Mantis X. 
Uh, we love the Mantis X training system. It's a great system. And we have a sale going on this week. We can't discount products and, and, and say what that discounted price is. We can only advertise a minimum price, which is basically their MSRP price. So they have, we, we now have it in stock. We just got new a new shipment in yesterday. We have the original Mantis X. We have the X3 and we have the X10. Uh, Basically, it gets better and more awesome <laughs> as you step up from the X to the X3 to the X10. So go to our website, concealedcarry.com, find a, the Mantis X system. Uh, this is not the easiest link, but if you go to concealedcarry.com forward slash brand forward slash Mantis X forward slash, I don't know if that's necessary, but uh, that'll get you to a page that shows all the Mantis products and you can add that to your cart and use coupon code 123TRIGGER to save 15% off. And that's a reference to the shop doc I did yesterday. Yep, All right. That deal's good through the end of the week. So move, move quickly, depending on when you're listening to this. Do not delay. So uh, let's uh, get into our first story. I told you this is news. And again, I'm having some technical difficulties, so I'm operating off my phone. So bear with me as I pull these things up. So our first thing, though, is actually we've got to ask Jacob. He just returned from the NRA Personal Protection Expo. And so he was there over the weekend while I was in this training course. So Jacob, what was new? Like, what did you see at the show that you were kind of like, Hey, that's cool or interesting or whatever. Not a lot of new products. And and what I love about some of these smaller shows is often you get someone who otherwise isn't at the big shows, right? Cause either they can't travel to a different destination or because they can't afford an expensive booth. But you know, I didn't, I didn't see a lot of companies that really you know, blew my mind. Or I thought were different or unique or something I hadn't already seen before. But there was one big announcement at this show, and that was from Caltech. Right. And I got here a story that I wish I could say I actually wrote. It has my name on it. Matthew wrote it, and I told him not to do this, but he 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 gave me credit anyway because the plan was I was going to write it, but uh, due to the nature of the way things worked out. He ended up writing it for me. <laughs> so uh, Caltech announced the new P-17 pistol, which is a 22 caliber, long, 22 long rifle uh, and 60 round capacity, 16 plus one. I, I think that's where you get the P-17 from because it, if you have it fully loaded, it will hold 17 rounds. It is a kind of a mid-size-ish size. It, I mean, you held it, Jacob, so... How would you describe it? Midsize or kind of compact? Uh, it's smaller than a Glock 19, but not by much. Okay, so so that's a good comparison. So just a little bit smaller than a Glock 19, but yeah. this is shooting a 22. And here's the best thing I think of all: this thing MSRP is 199 dollars, and honestly, like that probably means you'll see them on shelves for less than that, 175, maybe even a little bit less. Right? That's pretty awesome because. I mean, if it works, which I'm pretty confident it's going to work because our buddy Chad Enos from Caltech, in fact, I think he's watching the podcast here today. Uh, he tells me it works and I like them and they're good dudes. So that's really cool. A 22 caliber pistol that, that shoots well, that's reliable, that's affordable in a big way. Like when I first talked to Chad about this, he described it as being almost like a, a stocking stuffer for Christmas because it's so <laughs> affordable. Like you could just buy one of these and 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 drop it in in all of your family members, you know, stockings. <laughs> You're a way better family member than I am, <laughs> but it's it is extremely affordable, right? I mean, 
there, there's some things that we train, you know, we're big advocates of dry fire. Obviously we're also big advocates of live fire training, but having a good 22 plinker allows you to do kind of this bridge between those two things, right? So I can go out and I can do some training that doesn't run up a huge ammo bill, but it does allow me to you know, practice a real trigger press. I don't get as much recoils, felt recoils I do maybe on a higher caliber gun, but I do have recoil. So I can practice, you know, reacquisition of sights and and good grip and all those fundamental skills. And, and I get 17 shots before I have to reload. So, or, you know, 16 if I'm just dropping mags. The gun comes with three mags, by the way, three 16 round mags. So, I mean, we're talking about how affordable it is, but it also comes with three mags. So, you, you know, a real easy thing to practice reloads. It has a fiber optic front sight. Uh, so that's awesome. It's, yeah, it's just kind of impressive and the trigger is pretty legit. Uh, you know, it's, it's pretty impressive for, for a little 22 plinker that costs sub 200 bucks. So how would you describe the trigger? Uh, like- not a lot of travel, relatively crisp. Um, the reset is not as, uh, uh, tangible. It's not like a clicky reset. Like, you, you know, like you get on a Glock 19 or something like that, uh, or on any Glock, I really should say. But uh, the, the reset's not particularly long either. It's relatively short. So I think it's, it's probably very pleasurable to shoot, right? I obviously didn't put any live ammo through it, but it's probably pretty, pretty simple to shoot. Takedown is really easy, like ridiculous, kind of funny easy. It's just, it's just Kel-Tec, man. That's yeah, awesome. Um, so it's, it's, it's lightweight. Holds a lot of rounds. It's affordable. You say it's got a great trigger, and, and Chad told me that as well. So, uh, and but you haven't put rounds through it. Supposedly, we will have the opportunity to do that here soon because Chad tells me he's sending me one. So he told me that I should be one of the first people outside of Caltech that has one of these in their hands. So I'm looking forward to that, Chad. Don't let me down, buddy. <laughs> uh, two, two other things I'll just quickly note that I think are noteworthy, I guess. One is that the mag release is kind of that trigger guard mag release, kind of that European thing that some people aren't so so big a fan on. But it is it is ambidextrous. And the safety is also ambi, uh, right, left. So that's nice. And it is a safety, but it, I'll add that the safety is pretty simple. If you want to train to disengage it, you could. If you just want to ignore the safety and always leave it hot, you could. I mean, it's, it's, it's fine. It doesn't, as far as safeties go, I think it's, it's relatively good. Cool. Cool. Good stuff, man. Well, we look forward to uh, getting our hands on the Caltech P17. And uh, the cool thing is it'll be really easy to test because 22 is cheap, bro. Yep. So they should uh, be shipping to dealers. I think he said October, you know, they, they already have a bunch of them made. So this is not a prototype that they're announcing and maybe it'll ship one day. Caltech is, uh, I think they've kind of learned some lessons based on how high demand their guns are. So they've got a bunch of these already made and they plan to start shipping in about October. That's great. Fantastic. Cool. Thanks for the report. Um, <laughs> there's a, I am actually able to see a comment here from Chad. P17 is not recommended for concealed carry. It's excellent for training both experienced and new shooters. I, I don't disagree, right? You know, so, uh, and that's the thing, like, you know, we, we announced this and we posted this to our page and I even saw some negative comments about uh, about the gun or even about Caltech, which is not cool, people, not cool, all right? So, um, but uh, but it, it's not a concealed carry gun, you know? So, like, I think there was one guy who was like, well, why, you know? Well, because it's fun to shoot. And this is a good gun to just practice with. Why not? Anyway, so I'm excited about it. And I look forward to getting 
my hands on it. Chad does give, an, give oh, us an update mid-November. I think that may be what he originally said. I might have made up the October thing. Jacob makes up things all the time. It's okay. <laughs> my memory kind of self-corrects as I go. <laughs> that's not that far away, though. I mean, that's two months, really. A little more, maybe. Yep. We're in September in time, already. In time, for, in time for Black Friday. Yep, cool. Good stuff. All right, so what's next? Moving along here in our stories. It says here, gun sales surge 15%, driven by self-protection and Pelosi-Schumer demand for more limits on guns. This is a story from the Washington Examiner. And so basically in the month of August, according to the National Instant Criminal Background Check System, the same system that virtually all gun sales go through. There are some states that do their own systems, but... Anyway, 15.5% increase in background checks in the month of August. Wow. That is not insignificant at all. Uh, that's, that's, a, that's a big deal. So it's the biggest increase month over, you know, year over year for any month so far in 2019. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big deal. Um, and there's thoughts that this is because of the recent shootings, the new calls for more gun control, you know, uh, Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, they're they're pushing for this stuff. Uh, Michael Bloomberg, of course, Moms Demand Action. I mean, people are going crazy. Uh, you know, really, really putting the the heat on uh, on us gun owners, wanting to take our rights away. So, obviously, we don't need to hash that out in in large to large extent. But just noteworthy that uh, gun sales jumped in a big way last month. So. I mean that's that's good for gun manufacturers. That's good for Chad and Caltech. <laughs> uh, so cool. We'll see how that continues. I, I hate that we we see. I mean, it's we don't want to necessarily hope that bad things happen that then helps our industry grow and get you know better or stronger or bigger. Uh, but you know what? If that's what happens, I, I'm at least good because it's been kind of slow the last few years, hasn't it? Well, it hasn't been as much crazy growth as we saw during Obama's administration. I think that would be fair. I mean, it hasn't like just dropped either, right? I mean, gun sales have been relatively steady. There have been slight increases here and there, but this this is this is the kind of crazy growth, and and it shows me that you know we're getting more fence sitters off the fence, and we're getting uh, more people who are not fence sitters, but they're deciding to arm up more, right, to add to their their collection or get that one gun that would help them to carry more often or uh, achieve whatever goal. So all, all that is good. Um, it's sad that it also means we're getting more, more divided as a country, but you know, yeah, for sure. What, what can you do? Right. We got to protect ourselves. Yep. Jacob, what do you think about this next story? Be this is a story from Forbes.com. So, you know, this is from a legit source. Uh, Forbes is generally pretty good on reporting. Um, Occasionally you come across some biased stories uh, here and there, you know, but uh, overall pretty, pretty solid. Exclusive, it says, feds demand Apple and Google hand over names of 10,000 plus users of a GunScope app. I saw this story, you know, in a bunch of different groups on, on Facebook and elsewhere online. Uh, this is interesting and, and, and a little bit scary because we're th this would be kind of a, almost like a, bringing together two critical amendments in our, on our constitution, right? Freedom of speech to a degree, right? Like this is, this is remarkable to me that, that the government could say, Hey, we want names and info on people that downloaded an app. 
and played around with this game or whatever. Yeah. So it, we need we, yep. we we need to get some background on why they're asking. Right. Right. So so that's why I'm leaning on you. You give us the background. Yeah. So the Immigration and Customs Enforcement Department (ICE) ICE right. They're they're doing an investigation into whether or not some weapons export regulations have been broken. Okay, now the the ATN's scope itself is a regulated uh, product, meaning that it can only be exported to countries uh, where necessary licenses have been obtained. Okay, now it would seem indicative that if someone has downloaded the uh, corresponding companion app that they probably have said scope, right? So the, the ICE is, is basically saying, hey, we want to know who downloaded this app because it would be indicative of where the scopes have been shipped. And if we got a bunch of people, for example, in Canada who've downloaded this app, then that's a problem because people in Canada shouldn't have this scope because Canada doesn't have the necessary license to be able to have these scopes uh, you know, imported into that country. So that's that's the premise. That's the background, right? But they did not go and, and file a subpoena and say, we want the records just for people who have downloaded this app in the following countries. They want, they've, you know, they've subpoenaed all the data of anyone who's ever downloaded these this app on both uh, Android devices and Apple iOS devices. And that's what's so concerning about this is this is like... <sighs> Maybe there's stuff behind the scenes we don't know and we don't see, but I mean, you've got to have a pretty strong case, a pretty strong, you know, like almost probable cause that crimes have been committed uh, to, I think, really over, I think this is a big overstepping, personally speaking. Uh, now, here's the thing, too. I mean, the the scope that this app would be used on is not exactly a cheap scope. I'd be shocked if there's now apparently the 10,000 user number comes from Google Play Store data and Apple we don't know how many were was, would be involved from Apple's side of things from the, from the App Store. Uh I'd be shocked if there are that many users out there of this scope. Right? It's not even like it's that common or that popular of a model. So I anyway, my point being is like People download apps all the time, like not knowing what they are. Like, oh, this looks kind of cool and interesting, you know. Uh, so I, I think this is a huge privacy violation. And, and again, like this is based around an application software, something that somebody created, and something that pe- people are using. Uh, like, I don't know. It just seems really, really sus- suspect to me about you know, and kind of a crossover between sort of some like freedom of expression type stuff, um, you know, privacy rights stuff and second amendment sort of stuff. It's just kind of in this weird little area there. We've, I've not seen anything like this before from the government. Well, and they, they didn't ask for, you know, lists of locations of, of, you know, can just give me a list of how many people have downloaded in each of the following country. Right. I right. Mean, they, they've right. asked for all the data relative to who's ever downloaded these apps. And, you know, so far, you know, that, that is not, that hasn't happened. That data has not been handed over to the government. Uh, it's all to be to be you know determined whether what's going to come of this. I think if Google and Apple have half a brain, they'll fight this. Not because they care about who owns these scopes, right? But because they understand that the, the potential precedent that that sets is extraordinarily dangerous. You know, if if you hand that data over, battle uh, or at all, 
then you are telling all of your consumer base that you you can't protect their privacy from the government. And that that's, uh, that's really dangerous. So so make no mistake, I feel very confident in saying that it's purely based on my belief, it's common sense, that Google and Apple will go to bat on this, that they will not hand this over uh, if, if they at all can avoid doing so. Yeah. Cammy asks, what kind of information can they get from the app? Uh, hard to say for sure. Uh, but, uh, I mean, Jacob, you might know a, a thing or two about this as far as like common uh, information that's uh, available well, to app developers, for instance. Well, they're not asking the app developer for information. Guess, on that's true. Apps. It's, it's Apple and Google. Apple and Google to hand over the list of users. So let me ask you if you know on your Apple on your iPhone or on your Android device what information does that company have? Well Apple has all your info. Google they have a has lot all of stuff. Info. That's true. They they know your yeah. phone number, your name, they know your location, they have your email address. Uh, they know some other things about you and the court order specifically asks for names phone and phone numbers and other identifying data such as location related information. So it it you know as far as what's available to be asked for, a ton. As to what they've asked for, the court order suggests names, phone numbers, and other identifying data. Uh, as to what they might end up being, you know, ordered to to turn over, you know, we'll we'll find out. That's that's an ups, you know, a court battle to be determined. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Interesting quote here from. Is this one of the? This is a. Yeah, a privacy-focused lawyer. He's not necessarily involved in this case, but he says uh, there's a profound issue here with the government wanting to vacuum up a vast amount of data on people who have no reason to suspect have committed any crime. They don't have any probable cause to investigate, but they're getting access to data on them. Yeah, all right. And that's why I say if if the court order had been Um, We want data on people who've downloaded this app in X countries where we know use of this product is illegal, right? Or or access to this product is illegal. I would still say no. Like I still think that's, that's not okay, but it would be different, right? It would be a different kind of thing. Um, In my opinion, they almost shot themselves in the foot by asking for all the data on all the, all the users. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird because, you know, I have to put this in the same category as if a law enforcement agency or somebody wanted to go get a search warrant on an individual. A search warrant is not issued except for if there's very specific uh, requirements, right, that are met, including you have to be able to specify what it is you are looking for because that's a part of having probable cause is is. I have probable cause this individual committed X, Y, Z thing, you know, crime. And as a result of that, we have reason to believe that they have, whether it's drugs, whether it's money, whether it's guns, you know, whatever it is, or, you know, a murder weapon or something like it has, you have, like, you can't just, you generally, as a rule, don't get a search warrant to just be able to go in and just look for things randomly. It's very specific. And this seems like it's, it's, this in the same category. It's basically a warrant is what it is. It's a court order to Apple and Google, and it's not very specific. See what I mean? So it's, anyway. It's without grounds, right? I, right? I don't think it has teeth. They probably knew it didn't have teeth when they filed it. So yeah, I, I don't I don't think it's yeah. going anywhere, but, it, but it's just, you know, if it does, we, we got a serious problem. Yep. 
All right. Interesting to know and, and be aware of. Uh, let's talk now the story from recoilweb.com. And uh, it's kind of rehashing old news, but but it's brought back to the forefront of things here because everybody knows. And, and we've we've not really talked about it a whole lot, mostly because it's been everywhere. Like there's, there's not a whole lot more you or I could add to this whole drama involving Walmart and stopping ammunition sales and, and whatnot. Uh, but this article on recoil I thought was interesting because it says, why Hornady stopped sh- selling ammunition to Walmart 12 years ago? And I just wanted to highlight this a little bit because I want to give Hornady props for having guts, you know, to 12 years ago say, we're not doing business with Walmart anymore. Now, the reason why they decided to stop doing business with Walmart is not necessarily a Second Amendment-related type issue, more of a Walmart sucks to do business with issue. But, uh, but you know, I think that's really remarkable that that they, you know, said at one point, you know what, we don't want to do business with this big box retailer. We're going to focus on growing our business with our regular dealers, with our distributors. You know, with the, with the mom pop shops out there, right? And I'll tell you, Hornady's done a very good job with that because I've gone into some small gun shops that sometimes don't have the greatest variety of ammunition, but they do seem like they always have Hornady available. So Hornady's done, I think, very well in that regard in in getting, you know, in marketing and distributing well out to all of you know to all the dealers, right? Uh, so anyway, the thing is, is this was basically a follow-up with Hornady and the interview is conducted with Jason Hornady, who's obviously a related family member and, and is, uh, in the upper level management of, of the company. Vice President. And he talks, yeah. And he talks about, uh, their decision to leave doing or go away from doing business with Walmart and basically like, Hey, you know what? We're glad we did it 12 years ago. And this whole thing is not going to affect us one bit. You know, you have Walmart who represents a, apparently 20% of the nation's ammunition sales. That is so huge in terms of market share, but very little of that was Hornady being sold. Right? So Winchester and Remington and, Federal and you know some of these other big uh, ammunition manufacturers stand to. I mean, ammo is going to get sold one way or another, but but w- there's going to become a point where there's kind of a little bit of a hiccup in the supply chain, right? And it'll impact those other companies, but it won't impact Hornady at all. So, kudos to them, bravo to them, you know, for having, like I said, the guts a long time ago to say we're not interested in doing business with a, a, a business that makes it difficult to do business with. And that's not, you know, Walmart's not the only, only one they've turned away, right? They they don't sell to Gander Mountain directly. They won't sell, uh, well, they didn't sell to Sports Authority back when they were still in business. Uh, they didn't, they don't sell to the state agency of New York after Andrew Cuomo came out and said he was trying to to break the fire ministry. So they, they choose who they do business with, simply put. They're not just say, you know, hey, if you buy it, we'll sell it to you. You know, they're, they're just particular that way. I read a book, ooh, probably like 2011, 2012, called The Walmart Effect. Mm. And I have a real hard time shopping at anything owned by that, that corporation, you know, Walmart or Sam's Club, since reading that book. Um, because, frankly, it sucks to do business with Walmart. Walmart is a company that, that only cares about a very small number of things, and those things are not good for the world. <laughs> uh, they, all, all they really care about is making crap cheaper. 
and 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 that is that's their that's their deepest held belief, right? Is that that they want to be the cheapest place you can buy anything, and and it's the, the effect that that has on the consumer marketplace and on the worldwide economy is, at least in the view of the author of that book, not good. So yeah, I uh, I respect that decision that Hornady makes, not just relative to Walmart, but you know, generally speaking. And I, I think uh, if you want a really good understanding of the Walmart Corporation and how they operate, that, that book, The Walmart Effect, was a great read. Yeah. And, and this interview, this article with uh, Jason Hornady from Recoil is a great is a, it's a great interview. There's actually a lot of just interesting takeaways from what Jason has to say about things. Uh, and, and it sounds like, you know, so Jason, he, apparently, and this is not unusual in families that own large businesses where sometimes they'll almost intentionally send their, their children off, you know, go and work here or there, you know, you know, yes, you were brought up in our business, but go and do something else, get some experience outside of our family business and then come back. And, and that's basically what Jason did and came back into the family business after working for another business that did business with Walmart. And he said it was really rough and Walmart treated them very poorly and I liked, uh, there was a uh, quote here. He said in the interview here, we believe in our partners. And part of my issue with Walmart is that they don't support our industry. They don't support what we do. They don't contribute back. They take out of the industry and they don't put back into the industry, which is important to us here at Hornady Manufacturing. I I, I think that's, you know, that's, that's such a yeah, big thing. Of any industry, frankly, not just firearms. I mean, relative to Walmart, I think Walmart is a taker, not a giver. And, and that's fair. That is fair. But I wanted to just highlight that there are some businesses out there, uh, and you know, some of you know who they are, and and particularly some of those that are involved in the competitive shooting sports, you definitely know who some of the big players are that are big time givers to the industry and to the shooting sports because they're at every event, even if it's in a small you know, presence. They are always involved. They are always donating either time or resources or product. Uh, you know, and Hornady puts on a great match every year in, it's usually the first weekend of June, which is a, a three gun match that I've gone and shot a couple of times. Uh, the zombies in the heartland, you know, a zombie three gun match they, is what it is. And it's, it's a lot of fun. And, and they, and they pull out the stops on that event and support it so, so heavily. And they support a bunch of other things. So I think that's what Jason was getting at here is like, we want to do business with people that give back to the 2A community. And uh, so that's what they chose to do 12 years ago. So I just wanted to bring some recognition to that fact. Let's now get now to, man, I'm like being all kinds of redundant today. Let's now get now (laughs) to our first review. I'm going to throw it over to you, Jacob. What did you come to the podcast with today to share with the listeners? Um, I'm going to talk about Sticky Holster. So not a product that's new by any stretch and not a product that's necessarily new to me, but not one that I think uh, we've talked about much on the podcast. So Sticky Holster, and there's uh, other products now that are kind of competing products, but I think you know this Sticky Holster is definitely the most common and probably most uh, original. And the idea is it's think of a pocket holster, but it's designed for IWB use. And the holster is made out of a material such that it's it's meant to be kind of non non slip, right? It's sticky, such that it it just stays in your waistband. And even though it's not clipped onto anything like a traditional holster might be, and there's no band that goes around your waist like other holsters might be, it just stays in place. And the sticky holster, I think, is an interesting solution. It, it 
it's one that has been making its way out of my toolbox more often. Uh, it's definitely not my EDC holster, uh, but I have been using it, like I said, more more often. Uh, I'm using it today. Uh, here, here's my P365 and the sticky holster. And what I like about the sticky holster is, A, the ease to deploy it, right? Uh, all I got to do is pick up and shove in pants. I don't have to clip anything on. I don't have to think about anything. Uh, it's just a really simple thing. And it does exactly what it says it's supposed to do. It's it's sticky. I've never had an issue with a sticky holster, um, you know, falling out the, the bottom of my pants uh, or, fall, you know, or, or sliding too far down or anything like that. Now, that said, there's definitely drawbacks to sticky holsters, some things I don't love about it. For one, in the appendix position, it doesn't put any torque on the gun that pulls it in toward the body. Uh, you know, like it doesn't have, you know, like a, your traditional claw or wedge or anything like that, that kind of, that kind of does that, that, that pulls it, that pulls the gun in. Um, so, you know, it may or may not be ideal for appendix carry, depending on your, your body shape and the gun and things like that. Um, the other thing that I, I don't love about sticky holster is because it is, I would equate this is similar to, to some clip holsters that just have one single clip and that clip is too big for your belt in that the, there's a tendency for it to rotate. The sticky holster, it's true, it doesn't slip, it doesn't slide, but I do find it rotates a lot. So oftentimes I'll, I'll, I'll you know, go to reach for that gun and I'll find that it has just pivoted a little bit uh, such that the, the grip, the, the base of the grip of the gun is kind of sitting on top of my belt, which is going to make it harder for me to acquire my grip. Whereas kind of when I placed it in the pant, I had it a little bit higher, right? Or a little bit more vertical so that I could acquire that grip stronger, faster, better. And, and now that it, you know, it's kind of pivoted down or slid or, or almost not slid, you know, rotated uh, right uh, over and that sitting on top of the belt is going to make it harder for me to get in there and acquire that grip. So it's not, it's not a perfect holster, but I think it's better than, than a lot of holsters out there. And the simplicity, you know, the, the ease of use is the elegant part of the sticky holster solution. And so, yeah, sometimes it's just real easy, you know, to just grab it and stuff it in the pants and move on. Cool. Thanks for the report, Jacob. I would, uh, I would only use that as a pocket holster me personally, but, uh, I'm glad you have a positive experience with it. Uh, okay, here's my uh, review today. I've got, uh, I got my hands on recently a product from a company called The Gun Box, which uh, makes a, I'll call it a smart handgun vault. It's basically what it is. It's a, it's, it's a you know, handgun little vault or safe that is, here in the 21st century, meaning, you know, it's got Bluetooth connectivity and, uh, you know, quick access, uh, RFID access, you know, all this kind of stuff, right? So what I like about the gun box, uh, just right off the bat, and by the way, if you want to learn more, you can go to thegunbox.com. Um, it's got a, so, so the model I've got has the ability to open with a simple code, Right. So uh, you just, you know, program your code like you would with a lot of other handgun vaults. It doesn't have a pad like, uh, say, some other competitors have that make it, e you know, a little bit easier to find the buttons, get your fingers on those buttons and push the buttons. Uh, but it's not difficult. And uh, anyway, so you can pro program a, a code and enter that code and it'll open up just fine. And one thing I, that really impressed me with the gun box is no matter which, which method you use, whether it's RFID, biometric, or a code, it always opens immediately. Like it's lickety split. It's so impressive just how 
responsive it is. I mean, as soon as you finish hitting that last button, it goes click and opens, pops right open. There's no delay or anything like that. The same is true of the biometric feature. So it has a biometric option. You can program, I can't remember how many fingerprints, but more than enough. And so you, your wife, or someone else in the household that, you know, that should have access can uh, basically, you know, just scan your fingerprint. And I've been testing it and I've used some other biometric safe products in the past. And I've almost always had issues with, you know, where you get false reads, you know, false uh, negatives uh, some number of times. And I've experienced that enough times that I wouldn't want to really trust or rely on the biometric feature. Now, there is always still going to be that potential weakness of if I have cut my finger, got some sort of, you know, scar or damage or something to my actual fingerprint, that that's always going to be an issue and trip up biometric technology, right? So that's just a something that we have to understand and live with. But as far as this particular product being very good about giving nice, consistent reads of my fingerprint, and I mean, like I haven't had a false read yet. Like it has worked every single time and I've tested it a bunch. So that's been really impressive. Uh, they've obviously done a lot of work to get the programming and the algorithms and everything just just really dialed in well on the biometric side of things. And then there's the RFID option. And you've got the option to use little key fobs uh, or a little kind of credit card sized uh, RFID card. And it doesn't, so I think the gun box comes with a couple of cards and comes with a couple of the little fobs. But one thing that's got me really intrigued and I'm thinking about ordering one of these is they also sell on their website, I noticed a ring. And I like the idea of a ring because it's something I could have on me all the time. Wouldn't have to look for it. Wouldn't have to fumble it for it in the dark or anything like that. And it would be secure because it would be on me. And, you know, it's, whereas some of the other options, I have to be pretty on top of like making sure I know where my, my RFID cards and little key fobs are. Uh, and, you know, if like, if I have one on my key keychain, for instance, but I don't, keep my gun or my keys secure and my kids figure out that, Hey, dad's got a key fob on the keys and key fob opens the safe. I mean, and, and by the way, I trust my kids. Generally speaking, they're all pretty savvy with guns because they live in a household with a gun crazy dad that has educated them pretty well, but it's still something it, I take very seriously. So I like this idea of maybe I'm thinking about picking up, I think what the rings are like 50 bucks. And I think I'm thinking about picking one up because I like that idea. That's like, and I'll tell you the RFID again, just like with the biometric and the, in the uh, key code entry, as soon as you get that RFID object within, you know, where it's supposed to be, it just lickety split pops right open. And the, uh, the gun box, what is it? The, I have to go to the website real quick. The 2.0. Is it a 2.0? That's what I was going to say. Uh, that That's what I've got uh, sitting, I, well, I would say here, but it's actually just sitting at home right now. And uh, it it's, it's spring-loaded too. So that's really cool. So as soon as it unlocks, it just whoop, shoots right open. And there's a light inside, Jacob, and I know you like your lights inside your handgun vaults. So as soon as it pops open, spring-loaded, there's no delay. It just swings open, and there's a light where you can see everything, grab it, and go. It's super quick. It seems pretty secure and solidly built. Um, yeah, so I've been very impressed with the gun box. Now, it's not the most affordable handgun vault out there. And to, for in full disclosure, they did send me one. 
So they, they sent this to me and said, Hey, Riley, want you to check it out, see what you think. And so, yeah, there you go. That's my report so far. I'm, I'm pretty impressed. And there is a way to, and I haven't done it yet. I haven't set it up, but there's a way to use an app and connect it to your phone as well. And there's some different things you can do there. No, that um, was my, that was my question I was going to ask, right? Cause what's the smart part of the smart box? I and mean, what, yeah. what I'm hearing from you is um, there's like a bazillion different ways to open it from buttons to biometric to RFID to key fobs to ring that you can buy. Uh, and, and I, I, you know, just looking at the website, it looks like you, you plug it in and then, you know, it has USB ports. You could charge your phone or whatever, but I, I, I it wasn't clear to me, like, what's the smart aspect of this? Like, yeah, is it sorry. Just like a tamper alert to your phone. Is that what you understand? <laughs> yeah, it does have that. It does do that. It has tamper alerts. It has uh, lockout features. A lot of other states have lockout features too, but you'll be notified obviously. So that's kind of cool. Uh, again, I haven't gotten to playing with that feature just yet, but I will. And I'll, you know, when it's an appropriate time, may, perhaps I'll report back on that as well. Um, so that's 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 a that's kind of a cool little feature. And here's the other thing: yes, it's rechargeable. So you mentioned that there's a USB port, and you plug it in, you charge it up. Uh, it supposed it's supposed to last a long time on a single charge. So that you know, if you're wondering about that, like, is this something I have to have plugged in all the time? No, because I, I I charged it up once. It's been a couple of weeks now, and you know, it's supposed to last months or maybe even I can't remember what they said, but it's a long time. So that's pretty cool. Now, if you have it plugged in, it's true on the back, there are other USB ports and those are just there for convenience that if you want to have, you know, everybody wants USB ports these days to be able to plug in their, their peripherals. I just stole an outlet, right? I stole an outlet to plug in this gun box. And so exactly right now I have somewhere else I can plug in my phone or what other thing I'm charging. Yep. Yep. But for those USB ports again to work, you have to actually have it plugged in. But this is the type of product that you could have, you know, secured there. Uh, and there is a way to bolt it down. There's also, you know, you have the ability to use a, a security cable as well, that sort of thing. So, you know, if you're wondering about that and then, you know, so if you got it there in your nightstand or somewhere in your bedroom, you can have it plugged in and you can have your other peripherals plugged in as well. Um, but even if you want to have it, uh, you know, just on the go, it, it's got a battery in there that's going to last plenty long. Uh, they have a smaller unit as well that uh, looks really great. And uh, I'll talk some more about that sometime too. I actually have both both units, I'm, but I'm focusing more on the, on the big one right now. So pretty interesting product. There are some other similar competing products out there, but so far uh, this one has impressed me. Cool. Yeah. So there you go, the gun box. So Jacob likes his sticky holsters and I like my gun box handgun vaults. Uh, so hopefully this was a fun episode for you guys to listen to today. Uh, we will be back here in a couple of days on Thursday. Uh, we will, I can't remember what we're talking about, but we'll have more great content for you. <laughs> um, Jacob, anything that you want to just throw out there before we wrap this up, uh, whether it's uh, information you want to get out about concealedcarry.com or special announcements, uh, just if, if you guys have any specific, you know, things you want us to talk about, you know, you're been considering buying something and you'd love to hear our thoughts about it. You know, we're, we're now doing these uh, news and gears episodes once a month. And so we're always looking for more things to discuss. So give us a, give us a shout at podcastconsolecare.com. And last, I'll, I'll add this. Recently, iTunes pulled a fast one on us. Mm. So iTunes uh, effectively got rid of a lot of categories and, and, and even when, so far as the categories they kept, they changed the way people search by category. 
So previously, if someone went to iTunes, which is the largest place that people go to find podcasts, frankly, and they were looking for a podcast, they might have you know navigated by category to sports and rec and then outdoors. And that's where most of us firearm-related podcasts are found. But yep. that category is long gone. It no longer exists, which makes it really hard for someone to navigate that way and just explore and browse and, and discover new podcasts like ours. So the ask from us is if you haven't already, if you could go to iTunes and rate the podcast, give it five stars if you if you feel so inclined and write a review, that would be a huge, nice, appreciated thing you could do that would help us out right now, especially the timing being that iTunes is just redone the whole beast, and we could really, you know, use some help in uh, in, in you know working our way uh, around and making it easier for people to find us. And the biggest thing, really related to making that happen, is having more good reviews and ratings. Yeah, good good stuff. I appreciate you for mentioning that, Jacob. Now, before we actually officially wrap this up, uh, I, we're going to pick here in just a moment our weekly giveaway winner this week being a set of takeos training cards from trident concepts but just a reminder to support our sponsors who support us uh, by going to ammosupplywarehouse.com and buying your next batch of ammo they're good dudes and they ship things fast and they take care of their customers so ammosupplywarehouse.com we're, we're we are fans and then also Mantis X this week, special sale, 15% off this week only on concealedcarry.com. And use the coupon code 123TRIGGER, 123TRIGGER, to save that 15%. Because we can't tell you exactly what the price is for those, but it'll knock off 15%, and it's, it's a nice little discount. You won't be able to buy the Mantis X system anywhere else for this price. Because I don't think there's anybody else that ever even does these little... Uh, you know, temporary discounts like we do from time to time, Jacob. Yeah. I, not, I, not that I've seen. Oh, I, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So we are the best place to buy Mantis X. I promise you. All right. So that brings us to our weekly giveaway this week being the Takeos training cards. And I have a newfound appreciation, Jacob, for some of the drills that are mentioned in the Takeos training cards because those were developed by Jeff Gonzalez. And I just went through three days of really challenging <laughs> instruction and training under Jeff Gonzalez. Uh, and, and so I remember I, I've used some of these Takeos cards and referred to them from time to time for different things. And I and so I remember kind of seeing some of these things in those cards, some of the same things that I performed in this class with Jeff this last weekend. I have a newfound respect and appreciation <laughs> for some of his drills and some of the difficulty of those drills. And, and also you know, he is so big. If you go back to the first episode we ever recorded with Jeff Gonzalez, he was real big about standards. And he's been tracking for over a decade, training standards data, right, from all of these thousands of students that he's instructed through the years. And how, you know, so he has all this really interesting information about shooting performance uh, on these various standards. And the, the valuable thing about that is that you begin to learn about shooters, who they are, what they're capable of, what they need the most, which allows you to really focus your attention and tailor your training programs to help provide those those skills, those needs that shooters have. And this was a really a really great course that I was able to participate in. And so anyway, one lucky winner today is going to get a set of Takeos training cards. 
All right. So are you ready to pick the winner, Jacob? Yes, sir. Uh, give me a drum roll, please. Uh, okay. <laughs> you must not have played percussion in high school or anything like that. No, that is not. That is not my <laughs> Uh, David R is the lucky winner. David R, you will be contacted by us here via email, and uh, he has quite quite an interesting uh, email address. So, uh, congrats to David R, winner of the Takeos training cards. So there you have it. Don't forget to sign up for our weekly giveaways. I don't think we have this week's this next one live just yet, but we'll try to make sure we get that up here today. Uh, so make sure though you go in each week to concealedcarry.com forward slash podcast prize and sign up because that's a revolving door resets every Tuesday. So congrats again to David and thanks to all of you for supporting us in the podcast and for giving us the continued motivation to, to stay with it. <laughs> 300 and almost 50 episodes in. So with that, we're going to let you go and a reminder to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care. reminder that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. The Concealed Carry Podcast, Concealed Carry Inc., ConcealedCarry.com, and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm-related incidents and laws, but things could be different where you live, or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this. We cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast.